All right. Well, it is good to be here, and it's good to gather, and it's good this time of year as, as we just come into this place, this space where we can really, as a church family, look towards Jesus, the, the ultimate expression of love coming down. We started this series last week. If you missed it, I'll catch you up real quick. Uh, I feel like there's a story, a theme throughout all of Scripture, throughout the whole story of God, throughout all of history, where over and over again, if you're paying attention, you'll see God descending over and over again. And of course, it's this time of year when the world sort of celebrates and looks at and reflects on the ultimate expression of when God came down to a virgin named Mary in a little region called Galilee. And it was there in that place where an unexpected son was given to an une- unexpected girl at an unexpected time, and it forever changed the world. And today I want to look at another moment where that same kind of thing happened. But before we do, I want to ask you this. I asked my kids this question this morning. I said, we were in the kitchen getting ready and eating breakfast. I said, hey, what's the hardest part about Christmas? And without hesitation, without thinking, in unison, they all said one word. You know what it was? Waiting. Yeah, some of you, I saw you. You said it. Are, are you with me this morning? Let's say it together. Waiting. That's it. Come on, we can have fun. This is church. Waiting is the hardest part. The buildup is so long. They put decorations out as soon as Halloween is over, right? And they tell you it's coming. And the anticipation and the buildup is just huge. Uh, Friday morning, uh, my daughter, uh, Ella Grace, my middle daughter, has moved into our kitchen, her little iPod and speaker stereo thing that go with it, and she's playing Christmas music every morning, every day we get home from school. You know, it's, it's always on, except Friday morning, she thought she would put one of her favorite songs on repeat. It's probably your favorite song, like it's my favorite song. It's the uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks uh, Christmas song, you know, not annoying at all. Yeah, I gotcha. Yep. And so it, it's like 30 minutes. It's on repeat, you know. But you know what they say in that song. You know what the chipmunks sing over and over again, right? We can hardly stand the wait. Please, Santa, don't be what? Late, right? The chipmunks know what all the kids know, like Christmas cannot get here soon enough. The waiting is killer. But you know what's, for me, you know what's almost as hard or harder or worse than the waiting? It's the gifts. And I'm not just talking about the shopping or the buying the gifts. I mean, for some of you, you love it. Some of you, you hate it. We can pretty much know who that is in the room pretty quickly, right? Um, It's that, I don't know, has this ever happened to you? Like you're waiting, you're waiting, the buildup is huge. You made your Christmas list early. You got it to all the right people. Like, everybody knows what you want. Christmas morning comes, and you're so excited. You unwrap all the gifts, all the presents, and you realize it's all done. And you got a lot of great gifts, but you didn't get the one thing you really wanted. (laughs) This ever happened to anybody but me? Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's terrible. You've been waiting, waiting for this day to come, and you just know you're going to get that thing, that whatever it is, and it didn't happen. You wake up, and and, and you open the gifts, and it doesn't come. And some of you, it's your parents playing a mean trick on you, and they're going to give it to you later, right? Uh, But for some of them, they just forgot, or they missed it, and they whiffed, and you're like, worst Christmas ever. But you can't say anything about it, which is even worse, right? It's the waiting, and then it's what happens, what happens, you know, when you don't get what you thought you were going to get, when you don't get what you expected to get. And I think if we're being honest... Like for a lot of us, if you've been following Jesus for any amount of time, this is what's hard about being a Christian. This is also what's hard about following Jesus. It's the waiting. And it's the what do you do when you don't get what you expected. Because if you've been following Jesus for any amount of time, you get this. You get this. We don't serve a God who's, you know, interested in wait times or customer service. (laughs) 
He doesn't seem to be in a hurry. He's often very slow and patient. Um, And it's hard sometimes. The waiting is hard. And what's really hard is what do you do? What do you do with unanswered prayer? What are you doing? You've been praying over and over again for something. You've been wanting and wanting God to step in and, and do this one thing or help out in this one way. And week after week, month after month, maybe year after year goes by and nothing changes. Like for a lot of people and maybe for some people in the room today, like this may be a reason why either you're struggling in your faith or why you've let go of it altogether. Because you don't know what to do with the waiting and you don't know what to do with the unmet expectations. And for those of you who are still hanging on to faith, I mean, you get it on one level. You know that you signed up, that when you signed up to follow Jesus, you weren't signing up to follow a God who was a, a genie in a bottle kind of God. Now, he's not here to grant your three wishes. You get that. You don't subscribe to a health and wealth prosperity gospel. You don't buy into the, the, the idea that God is here to make you happy, right? Like, you know, you serve a God who sent us in Jesus who died on a cross. He is a suffering God. And part of following Jesus is this idea that we're going to have to endure some suffering as well. But it sure would be nice if God would just do this. Or it sure would be nice if God would just answer this one prayer. Or step into this one situation. And it's the waiting. And it's the unanswered prayer. And it's the weeks and the months and the years. And if, if we're just being honest in the room, and I think we have to be sometimes, it's really hard. It's really hard. And it makes me wonder, have you ever, you know, I've told up your hand, but have you ever given up on God? Or have you ever thought about it? If you're just being honest. Have you ever waited for so long or carried the burden of unanswered prayer so long that you just lost hope in God. If that's true of you on any level, I want you to know I'm really glad you're here today. <laughs> and if you wandered in the room this morning and you're not really sure why you're here, but, but you're one of the people here this morning that if you're being honest with yourself, you, you're not really sure where God is or who God is or if there is a God. I'm really glad you're here today too. Because we're going, to, we're going to talk about the life of a woman named Sarah, who I believe was feeling the exact same thing. If, if, we, if we could go back and somehow unearth and discover Sarah's prayer journal, I think what we would read is that over and over again throughout her life, Sarah was praying for the same thing over and over. And, and to be honest, she wanted what all of her friends had. She wanted the same thing that everybody wanted, but she grew up. From the time she was a little girl, she wanted it. She grew up, she got married to a, a really good guy, but it never happened for her. They never, they never had the one thing that she really wanted. They never had a family. She never had a child. And she had prayed to God over and over and over again for this one thing. And weeks went by, and months went by, and years went by, and there was no baby. And Sarah kept praying, and Sarah kept hoping, and finally I think Sarah had just about given up hope. I mean, at this point... In Sarah's life, she's 65 years old. Not exactly childbearing years. In her mind, the ship has sailed. In her mind, God has left her without an answer to the one thing that she really wanted. He never answered her prayer for a child. 
So you can imagine Sarah's surprise when one day her husband Abram comes home and says, hey, honey, I'm home. And I talked to God today. By the way, this is in Genesis 12. If you want to open up, we're going to look at it together in a moment. You turn your device or open up in your Bible. Genesis 12, Abraham comes home and says, I talked to God today, Sarah, and um, you need to know a couple of things. God made a couple of promises. One, he's going to give me all this land, this property. Like, we're going to be wealthy. This is going to be amazing. We're going to be famous, actually. God promised us. He's going to give us all this land. And God is going to give us, he's going to make us a great nation. He's going to give us a son. Now, Sarah is 65. Abram is 75. You can imagine Sarah's surprise when she says, God said what? <laughs> like, uh, Abram, did, did you forget your medication this morning? Like, maybe you were out too long in the heat today. Are you sure you talked to God? What, did, what exactly did God say, Abram? Sit down, get some water, cool off. Like, word for word, tell me, what did you hear God say? Let's look at it. Genesis 12. This is what Genesis 12 says. God said to Abram. Verse 1, the Lord said to Abram, leave your native country and your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who, uh, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt and all the families on the earth will be blessed through you. Sarah's like, Abram, come on, dude. You're 75 years old, right? I'm 65. All of our friends not only have grown kids, they have grandkids, grown grandkids, some of them. And you think God is going to give us a child now? And i got to imagine that if, if Sarah is trying her best to come around this idea, then maybe she's confused, right? I don't even know if she can get excited, anxious for sure. And if somehow this does happen, how is she going to explain this? Like, what is she going to tell her friends? I guess she's moving, so it doesn't matter, right? <laughs> like, this is, this is pure insanity. What, what, Abram, what are you talking about? What is God talking about? And, and could this even be possible? So you can imagine after hearing this promise, Sarah... Confused, anxious, nervous, maybe excited, not sure if she can be, not sure if she can hope again. I mean, she's been praying for this for 65 years and it never happened. And then a few weeks go by, no pregnancy. A few months go by, still no pregnancy. And if you keep reading the story, 10 years go by, no baby. And Sarah, you know, you just wonder if she's thinking at this point, is God this cruel? Would he make a promise to me for the one thing that I really wanted and then not deliver on it? Could God really be that cruel? But if God promised this and he wants this for us, then surely he's looking to us at this point to make it happen because it's not happening. At this point in the story, it's been 10 years since God promised them a child. And they have a word from God, but they have no way forward. They have a promise from God for a child, but they have no baby. And so Abram and Sarah do what, if we're being honest again, a lot of us have probably done. They got a little tired of waiting on God. They get a little tired of the unmet expectations and the unanswered prayer. 
And so they take matters into their own hands. They decide that if God isn't going to do what only God can do, then maybe we need to help. Even though helping is going to mean doing something that's probably outside of his will and desire and plan. But if it gets us a child, then maybe it's what God wants us to do. So flip over to Genesis 16 and we see what happens next. As Abram and Sarah take matters into their own hands. Verse 1, now Sarah, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, and listen to what she says. The Lord has prevented me from having children. That's what she thought. So go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarah's proposal. Verse 15, so Hagar, Hagar gave Abram a son. And Abram named him Ishmael. At this point, Abram was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. Abram is 86. Sarah is 76. It's been 11 years since God made that original promise, but now they have a child. His name is Ishmael. They have a a son, sort of, kind of. And you you probably know this. I don't have to say this. I don't have to explain this from the story. You probably know this is true in your own life, right? That whenever you take the promises of God into your own hands, whenever you try to do things your way, whenever you try to shortcut God, whenever you try to, to answer your own prayer, you know what happens, right? Things don't turn out, at least not the way God planned. Things don't work out the way God desired. Anytime you take your, God's plans into your hands, it never works out. Only God can accomplish God's plans. Only God can do what only God can do. And anytime we try to shortcut God, you know what we end up with? We end up with the same thing that Abram and Sarah ended up with. More hurt, more pain, more problems than they had before. If you fast forward through the story, you won't be surprised to learn what happened. It didn't take long before Abram and Sarah were estranged from Hagar and Ishmael. And in fact, they send them away. And the son that God had promised, well, they thought they had made that happen, but they didn't. And what may be most amazing to me about the story is that in this particular story, God descends over and over again to Abram to remind him that this promise is still good. In fact, and this might be good for you to remember today, that there's nothing that you can do to subvert or divert the plans and the promises of God. God comes down again, and that God actually, in the story, changes Abram's name. Abram means exalted father, which is kind of a crazy name if you don't have any kids. But he changes his name from Abram, which means exalted father, to this. Abraham, which means father of a multitude of nations, which is even a crazier name if you don't have any kids. But God comes down to Abraham, and and in this next story, God literally descends. If you fast forward to Genesis 18, listen to what happens. We're going to skip to this story as well. In verse 1, the Lord appeared. God literally descends again to Abraham near the oak grove belonging to Mamre. And one day Abraham was sitting at the entrance to his tent during the hottest part of the day, and he looked up and noticed three men standing nearby. And when he saw them, 
He ran out to meet them and he welcomed them, bowing low to the ground. God actually descends, and he's not alone. And we don't know who these other guys are, the angels, we're not sure. But God shows up, he physically descends, God comes down, the Lord appears to Abraham, and this is what happens in verse 10. One of them said, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife, here's the promise again, Sarah will have a son. Now Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. Abraham and Sarah were both very old, if they weren't before, they are now, at this time. And Sarah was long past the age of having children, so she laughed silently to herself and said, How could a a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is is also so old? And then, get this, that's what she's thinking silently inside the tent. The Lord said, God says, God descending and sitting in front of, physically in front of Abraham says, why did Sarah laugh? I'm not even sure Abraham knew she did, right? Why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? And then God says this, underline this, circle this in your Bible, is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year. And mark my words, Sarah will have a son. This is the same promise God had given them. 24 years ago, and it still hasn't happened yet. At this point, Sarah is 89, Abraham is 99, and God asked Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Oh, I don't know. (laughs) She'd been praying for this her entire life, and it never happened. At age 65, God descends to Abraham and says, hey, you're going to have a baby. Ten years pass, it doesn't happen. She takes matters into her own hands, but that doesn't work out the way that she thought it would. More time passes. God keeps coming and saying, we're going to have a son. And they just, they're beginning to lose hope, lose faith. They're beginning to doubt in the promise of God. But now God is sitting right outside of her tent saying, no, mark my words. I'm going to come back next year. You're 89. On your, when you're, the year you're 90 years old, you're going to have a child. Yeah, right. I don't know why Sarah laughed. Would you laugh at that? But you know what happened that next year? If you've never heard the story, this is going to sound weird. Sarah is 90 years old. Abraham is 100. A little old to be having a newborn. But they do. They do. You want to talk about a Christmas story, a miracle story, about God descending, about love coming down? At age 90, Sarah gives birth to a son in the name of Isaac, which means laughter, which I think is hilarious. But God delivered on his promise. And Sarah was given a son. So what about you? What are you hoping for? What are you praying for? What are you longing for? What are you wanting for? What is it that you're going to God for over and over again. And if you're being honest, you've just about lost hope. One of our other favorite things to do at Christmas, and this may be true for your family as well, we're not unique in this, but we love, we love to get the kids together and to watch as many Christmas movies as we can. You guys do this? You like this? And uh, it's fun. So this weekend we got together and 
the kids got on their Christmas PJs because it's, you know, December and, you know, we can start doing this now without it being too weird. And uh, we put on the Christmas movie Elf. Any Elf fans in the room? You like this movie? You can admit this at church. It's okay. Yeah. And so uh, if you've seen the movie, if you haven't, I won't spoil it for you. But if you've seen the movie, you know that towards the end of the movie, uh, Santa has a real crisis. Uh, His sleigh has crash-landed in Central Park in New York City. And the reason it's crashed is because um, there's not enough Christmas spirit to make it fly. And, and if you didn't know this, uh, it takes Christmas spirit for Santa's sleigh to fly. But in New York City, you know, specifically, there weren't enough people believing. People had kind of lost faith in Santa. They lost, they'd lost confidence in Santa. They, they, they weren't sure if they believed in Santa. And so because of that lack of belief, like the spirit meter on his sleigh was all the way at zero, and there was not enough Christmas spirit to make the sleigh fly. So Buddy the Elf who is the hero of the story, you know, finds Santa, crash landed at Central Park, and he's doing all that he can to help Santa's sleigh get going. He's trying to reattach this engine they had created to to make it fly, but it wasn't working out so well. And this whole time, people are gathering outside Central Park like like people had seen something fall from the sky, and, and they were speculating it might be Santa, it might be the reindeer, we're not really sure. The news cameras have arrived, and also some of Buddy the Elf's friends have started showing up, and, and, and they're standing around too. And it's at this moment that one of his friends named Jovi realizes, or she remembers, something that Buddy the Elf had had told her when they first met. And you probably, if you've seen the movie, you know this quote, and you can say it with me. This, that the best way to spread Christmas cheer is what? To sing loud for all to hear. Let's just say that together because it's fun. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is to sing loud for all to hear. Isn't that great? And so even though she's terrified to sing in public, Jovi steps up on this, this, this sleigh and she begins to sing. You better watch out. You better not cry. And you know what happens? It's the same thing that would happen if I kept singing, right? You all would join in. Everybody started singing. And the more they sang, the more power Santa's sleigh got. And at the very end of the scene, the last couple of voices join in, and everybody's singing it at full volume. And Santa's sleigh shoots up to the sky right over their heads, and they all see it. And in that moment, they all fully believe because of what they've seen and what they've experienced outside of Central Park that night. I don't know about you. Sometimes it's hard hold on to faith and to hold on to hope. And if that's you today, if like Sarah, you've had trouble holding on to faith and holding on to hope, can I just encourage you today to keep believing, keep hoping, keep waiting, keep praying. And how about this? Keep singing. I think Buddy the Elf might have been onto something. I think sometimes in the middle of our doubt, when we keep singing these songs of faith back to God, man, your worship and your obedience in the silent years, your decision to keep your faith in God when God seems far away, that is a powerful witness and a powerful testimony to, to ultimately who your faith and who your hope and who your confidence is in. And if you ask Sarah, she would tell you to keep hoping and to keep praying and to keep waiting and to keep expecting. Because at 90 years old, God came through on his promise to her. And she knows, in fact, she would laugh when she told you the story of Isaac, I would bet. But she would tell you, don't give up on God. It may sound crazy, but he always comes through on 
his promises. And the truth is, there's probably some of you in here today, and you've been praying, and you've been waiting, and you've been hoping in God for a long time for something, and it hasn't happened yet. And the truth is that it may take not weeks, not months, not years. It may take decades. It may take a lifetime. In fact, you may not see the results of what you've been praying for before you die. In Hebrews 11, we hear another version of this same story where Sarah is called a woman of faith. But it goes on to say that they didn't see and they didn't experience all the promises of God, that those came after they had died. And then it also says what incredible people of faith they are, that they didn't lose hope in God, even though they never saw all that they hoped for, all that they prayed for, all that they were promised come to fruition. Don't stop hoping. Don't stop praying. Don't stop expecting because God, this is what is true about our God. Our God is a God who always descends. Our God is a God who always comes through on his promises. And yet it may take weeks. It could take months. It may take a lifetime. You may never see. You know, they never really took possession of the land God promised them. That only happened later. But God always comes through on his promises. He gave an unexpected child, an unexpected child to an unexpected mother at an unexpected time. And that same God one day would give another unexpected child to an unexpected teenage girl at an unexpected time. And that same God can descend into your life And it may happen at an unexpected time, in an unexpected place, when you least expect it. But God will always deliver on his promises. So whatever it is you're hoping for, whatever it is you're praying for, whatever it is you're going to God with today, let me just encourage you today. This is it. Keep hoping. Keep believing. Because God will always deliver on his promises. Church, if you would, let's, let's stand together. I, I don't know what's on your Christmas list, but I, I really hope you get it. My guess is, is that if every year at Christmas it came and went and you never got what you wanted, you might stop showing up for Christmas. That's just how we are. But don't give up on God. Don't give up on God. There was another moment, I'll close with this, that God ascended to Abraham and he was talking about Sarah. And I want you just to hear what he said. In Genesis 17, 16, God said this to Abraham about Sarah. He says, you know, I'm going to bless her and I'm going to give you a son from her. Yes, I'm going to bless her richly. And listen to what God says. And she, Sarah, it gives me chill bumps. She's going to become the mother of many nations. She prayed for this her whole life. And she doesn't know what's going to happen. And kings of nations will be among her descendants. And if you fast forward the story and you read the list that Matthew and Luke give us of how Jesus came to us, both of them say that Jesus came through a son named Isaac that was given Sarah. You see, she wouldn't just be the mother of kings. She would be the mother of the king of kings. 
Whatever you're hoping for, whatever you're praying for, don't give up on the promises of God because God will always deliver on his promises to you. I want to ask our shepherds and their wives to just make their way around the room. We're going to close with a song. If you're in a season of waiting, if you're in a season of hurting, if you're in a season of longing for God, if you're in a season where you're just not sure where God is or if he's listening at all, I just want to encourage you to go to to one of these couples. Because it may be that for whatever reason you can't pray. In fact, it it may have been a while since you prayed last. And this is an invitation where you don't have to pray. Just go to them and let them pray for you. Let them usher them in, let them usher you into, your, into his presence. If you need that today, they would love to serve you and help you and bless you in that way. For the rest of us this week, let me encourage you to hold on to hope. Hold on to hope. Because we have a God. We serve a God. We believe in a God who descends. We believe in love that comes down. And we have hope and faith and confidence in a God who has shown us, we too have seen, and we too have experienced through Jesus what God has done. So we too can believe that our God will come through for us. Let's sing.